This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Is a consumer proposal right for me? And we've talked a lot about consumer proposals, but this one is such a good segment because if you've heard about it, but you don't know all the ins and outs of it or how it could, what, what the difference is to, uh, between it and other options, this is the segment. Uh, Blair's going to outline consumer proposals, the key aspects of this solution that's available to Canadians to deal with debts. So Blair, let's start at the very beginning. Can you talk about um, what a consumer proposal is and what are some of the advantages in choosing a consumer proposal? Yeah, with pleasure, Elaine. Again, I've often said a consumer proposal is the most powerful debt solution you might never have heard of. So I'm really happy today. We're just going to focus on giving you all the ins and outs of a consumer proposal, tell you how it applies to various situations. And even if it's not relevant to you, probably somebody in your life might benefit from knowing this. You can at least be a resource for others. And who knows where the future goes, knowing that this can be an option for anybody if they face tough situations is always good to have in your back pocket. So a consumer proposal, it's a debt solution that allows you to legally consolidate all of your debts, so put them all together into a single repayment plan that usually offers your creditors a partial recovery of your debt, so you pay back what you can afford on the debt, but legally it's in full satisfaction, so you can never be held accountable for the balance that's unpaid. So consumer proposals give you a unique opportunity to consolidate debt without having to borrow money, without having to pay any interest charges, and again, you receive that partial debt forgiveness without having to resort to a personal bankruptcy. When you do a consumer proposal, the repayment terms are flexible and they're tailored to an individual's circumstances, so they can fit a wide variety of situations, everything from a single payment that a third party is helping you out to pay off your debts at a reduced rate, to up to five years of monthly payments that might be the same every month, or they might start low and then increase a little bit or as we expect the income to go. There's a lot of different ways a proposal can be structured. Now, a consumer proposal can only be filed by working with a licensed insolvency trust and your trustee is going to be your ally side by side throughout the entire process. You don't need a referral. You don't need to pay any middlemans, any uh, lawyers or legal advisors or anything like that. You just meet with a trustee um, to, to investigate whether a consumer proposal is going to work for you. And there's just a number of benefits. You know, we've talked about the ability to put the debt into a single payment that can really simplify your life. You'll know on what day, what amount is coming out to deal with. You know, it could be 15 or 20 different debts. Uh, reducing the debt to an affordable amount, eliminating all of the interest. And then what's also great, too, is a consumer proposal gives you protection and breathing room. So if you're in a consumer proposal, you're protected. None of your creditors are able to sue you, able to take your wages, seize your assets, anything like that. And you also get breathing room because they're not even allowed to call you. Once a trustee is appointed, you don't have to deal with any of your creditors anymore. The trustee steps in the middle. You deal with the trustee. The trustee deals with everybody else in your behalf. And what about your assets? How protected are they, Blair? 
Well, they're fully protected. So if you're doing a consumer proposal, um, nobody is allowed to take any legal actions against you. So if you have you know, a car loan or a mortgage and you just want to keep those assets, you're worried they could be taken from you. If you do a consumer proposal, you just keep making the car payments, keep making the mortgage payments. You've got no risk at all that those assets would be in jeopardy. Okay. Is there a ceiling uh, for the amount of debt that I could get rid of using a consumer proposal? Yeah, so in the law, the limit for a consumer proposal is it can be applied to debts up to $250,000 for an individual, and that excludes a mortgage on your principal residence, because most mortgages are greater in excess of that. But in terms of your typical unsecured debts, if you know your credit cards, income taxes, student loans, lines of credit, personal loans, everything like that, um, up to an amount of $250,000 can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. And there's also the ability to do a joint consumer proposal if, if two or more individuals have some debts in common, they can pool their debts together and it can be up to $500,000 of debt can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. But what's powerful in a consumer proposal is taking whether it's, you know, oftentimes it's in you know, the seventy dollars or $80,000 range, but even if it's up to the $250,000 range, it's how much can that be reduced in a consumer proposal. And quite often it can be reduced by 50 cents on the dollar, even up to 80 cents on the dollar. There are many situations where people might owe $100,000 and know they can't pay it back. We do a proposal for $20,000. They make monthly payments over a period of time, and it's a win-win in that their creditors actually got something back on their debt, and the person avoided having to file for a personal bankruptcy proceeding, which they would, of course, rather not to do. Yeah. Uh, Listen, if you have heard this information and you already know that you want to investigate a consumer proposal more and and really take a look at if this is the option for you, Sands & Associates can be reached easily at 1-800-661-3030. And I know, Blair, you've got offices pretty much all over British Columbia right now. What's, What's the latest number of offices you've got? Yeah, we're at 25 offices all over the province. So, yeah, we're able to help everybody from, you know, coast to coast, I guess not coast to coast, but border to border of this great province, border to coast. (laughs) There you go. There you go. go. Border to border. Um, So what does a person have to do during their consumer proposal besides uh, make sure that those payments are made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the payments are obviously an important component, and we just do those by pre-authorized withdrawal any day of the month that works for the individual. But another really important component of the proposal is the financial counseling component. So you have to attend two private financial counseling sessions. They're both around 45 minutes each with a friendly, qualified insolvency counselor. And these sessions are not about making you feel bad about perhaps some mistakes or things you could have done different. These are all supportive conversations to give you professional tools, strategies, resources to really help you increase your financial literacy in areas such as budgeting and spending habits, financial planning, goal setting, credit scores, and more. So our whole idea is to give you all the tools that you need that going forward you'll be able to manage a budget, to rebuild your credit as quickly as possible, um, and even to sit down and set financial goals. Sometimes it can be tough when you're sitting there with $100,000 of debt and you can't see the light um, to actually think, you know, I deserve to have some goals, short, medium, and long term, and going through a consumer proposal can give you the means um, to start to think about those goals and what you actually want to achieve financially, and that's one of the greatest parts of the count 
counseling is sitting down, setting those goals, breaking them down into manageable steps, and we'll work with you on that during at least two sessions during your consumer proposal. Uh, aside from making the payments and doing those counselings, there's other some minor things, a lot of things you'll do without even thinking that they're really special for the proposal. You'll want to keep up to date on your tax returns, so you want to file your taxes every year just to maintain compliance as a taxpayer. Um, in terms of your income, all of your income gets paid directly to you, so there's nothing you need to be concerned about. The proposal doesn't intercept any of your wages. Your employer doesn't even need to know about that. So in general, you'll make the payments each month, you'll meet for the couple financial counseling sessions, and you'll just enjoy the breathing room that you've got. Most people have a much better budget because now all their debts is consolidated down or reduced amount with no interest compared to how they were maybe robbing Peter to pay Paul or really scrimping on groceries or other things the family needed because everything was going to pay debts. What about the time involved, Blair? How long does a consumer proposal take to, uh, to run? Yeah, so there's limits within the law. So a consumer proposal, usually it's structured with monthly payments, and the maximum term for a proposal is 60 months uh, or up to five years. Some consumer proposals offer just a single lump sum payment. So I've often said if someone is considering helping a family member out to pay off their debt, they should help them with a single lump sum consumer proposal payment, which could be as little as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar rather than paying everything off in full for another party. So a consumer proposal can be that short of a single payment or can be as long as up to five years. But what's great in a consumer proposal is it's flexible. So if a situation changes, and let's say you're signed up for five years of payments, but hey, things are so much better off, you can pay the proposal off early at any point. There's no interest, no penalty. And the sooner you pay it off, typically the sooner it will get removed off your credit report and you can move forward that much more quickly. Now, the one thing about Sands and Associates I've learned over the years of working with you, Blair, is that you guys really listen to people. And I know that there's other things that people tend to ask about when it comes to a consumer proposal, sort of smaller things and or something that's, uh, you know, bothering somebody. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, there's definitely some really important questions a lot of people tend to ask. You know, one that comes up quite a bit when we're dealing with couples is how is this consumer proposal going to affect my spouse? Uh, the short, quick answer is it's not. It's not going to affect your spouse unless your spouse has any shared debt. If there's any joint debt, well, then that joint debt, um, you know, is now going to be just that spouse's responsibility. But otherwise, there's no responsibility at all, no impact on the other person's credit rating. If one spouse does a consumer proposal and has unique debts that aren't shared, it's possible for the other spouse to not even be aware of that proceeding. Now, that's not our recommendation. We recommend, you know, open and transparent conversations about finances with in couples, but it really is the case that one couple, or one member of a couple deciding to restructure their debts can have literally zero impact on the other member of the couple, other than suddenly the person is a lot less stressed and has a better budget and lower debt payments, all of that, but there's no negative impact to the other spouse. Excellent. And people always want to know, what's the cost? What's it going to cost me to do a consumer proposal? How do you work that out? Yeah, a lot of people are sometimes waiting for the catch or waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I'll finish the meeting. I'll say, yeah, here's the proposal. We're going to offer back, um, you know, $300 a month for 60 months, you know, $18,000 back on $50,000, for example, which those are real numbers. We do that all the time. It's okay, that's great, but what's your fee? 
And I say, well, my fee is included in all of that. So what happens when you file a consumer proposal is you're subject to a government tariff for consumer proposals. What that means is once we've figured out you can afford to pay back $300 per month, not all of that $300 goes to the creditors. About 80% of it does, but about 20% of that, so in this case about $60 of your $300, would come to the trustee for costs of administration. So from the client's point of view, there's never any upfront charge. There's nothing above and beyond what the person can afford afford to repay in the proposal, essentially the costs are being borne by the creditors deducted from the payments that they would receive uh, before they're sent on to them. Okay. And in the final minute and a half or so, how does somebody go about starting a consumer proposal? very straightforward and the first step is often the toughest one just because you don't always know what you're walking into people are always worried you know am i going to be judged am i going to be talked down to and that's absolutely not what you're going to receive with sands and associates the first step is to reach out for that consultation so we guarantee you're going to meet with a qualified empathetic either a trustee or insolvency estate manager someone who knows their stuff and has dealt with a lot of situations maybe similar or maybe different, but has the right tools to help you out of that situation. The first step is to reach out for the consultation. From there, we'll guide you along every other step. You'll fill out an application form. You'll give us some basic information about your debts, your assets, your income. And then generally, as quick as just a few days from our first meeting, or as slow as you need to feel comfortable, some people it's over a period of weeks or even a couple of months, uh, whenever you're ready to move forward, we can have documents prepared for you to sign off on your consumer proposal, get that protection, and have that great repayment plan to focus on. Now, a couple of things I want to mention as we close out this segment. You can learn more about how a consumer proposal could work for you and get started on that plan, that debt-free plan of yours, by giving Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030, and of course, that's toll-free. Uh, you can also go to their website. Visit sands trustee. Com. And, of course, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton, a licensed insolvency trustee from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the types of debt that you can consolidate using either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. And this is going to be a good segment because it'll cover things from credit cards to taxes, student loans, vehicle financing, all of that stuff. Blair's going to break down the key differences in common consumer debt and explain which ones you consolidate and uh, look after with a consumer proposal or get forgiven in a per personal bankruptcy. So Blair, what are the most common types or categories of debt for somebody to have? You know, there's a couple ways to come at this question. And I've, you know, heard people say, you know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. And yeah, that's one way to categorize debt. Um, the way I look at it as a trustee is what are the ways our debt can impact you, especially if they're unpaid. So you can say, you know, debt is good or bad, but what does it mean if that debt goes unpaid? What's the impact upon yourself personally? What does it mean for you if you have to restructure a debt? And most debts we can categorize into various different buckets. And then you can see how they can be treated differently um, with respect to claims on your assets, your income, all those different factors. So a couple of the most common types of debt, the most common one by far, is a general unsecured consumer debt. And it sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but what unsecured means is just that debt is not backed by an asset. The lender doesn't hold any collateral in exchange for giving you credit. So unless you structure it otherwise, uh, most types of debts fall into this unsecured debt category. That includes your standard credit cards, your basic overdraft. Um, so, you know, credit cards for six out of 10 people that we survey, that's their main cause of debt and a credit card is just about always an unsecured debt. Um, 
payday loans and personal loans, typically very high interest, very high cost financing. You usually don't pledge an asset when you go to take out a payday loan or a personal loan. So those are unsecured debts, uh, cell phone plans and other utilities, uh, typically unsecured debts. You don't go and pledge an asset when you're signing for a new telephone or when you're getting BC Hydro set up uh, and then money owing to another person. So typically if you're borrowing money from a friend or family member, they're usually not getting you to form to sign a formal security arrangement. So it's typically an unsecured debt. So what happens if you can't make payments on basic unsecured debts is creditors can take some of the following steps so they can charge you fees and penalties. So we all know if we miss a payment on the credit card, you know, the next bill has some nice charges on top of there. Uh, they can accumulate interest or increase your interest rates. So sometimes there's different interest rates that kick in if you have missed a payment. They can stop providing services. So someone like a cell phone provider or a hydro provider, you know, their recourse if unpaid is to cut you off quite often. Uh, what's usually the most impactful to an individual is they can engage a collection agency. So get someone involved to phone you morning, noon, and night and um, talk down to you, make you feel intimidated. All of those things are a recourse for an unsecured debt. And then finally, if you borrowed from a bank with a credit card, um, they can exercise what's called the right of offset if you have your daily banking there. So if you missed a credit card payment uh, under Bank X and you have a, a a savings account with Bank X as well, they can go into your account and take money from that account. That's called the right of offset. They can offset your assets against the liability owing to them. So unsecured creditors, they lack some of the immediate power that other creditors have. And, you know, we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But just to be aware, an unsecured creditor, if they choose to take you to court, if they choose to hire a lawyer, go to court and get a judgment against you, their debt can get some of the characteristics of secured debt, which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes here, they could have more recourse where they could be able to seize assets or even seize wages. So it's possible for an unsecured debt to get a whole lot more teeth behind it, but it does require some extra legal steps, legal costs on behalf of the creditor to really escalate it to that point. So let's keep on this um, on this vein. Uh, can you elaborate on the other types of debt where creditors have more recourse if they aren't paid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one that people don't always think about when they're signing on the dotted line, but is co-signed debt. So co-signed debt means that both parties are jointly legally responsible for 100% of any debt that goes unpaid that's been co-signed, not a 50-50 portion as a lot of people think. A lot of people think, okay, I've got co-signer on this account. My worst case is it's 50-50. No, it's 100% liability if there's a co-signer. And what it means when you bring in a co-signer on a debt is that your creditor now has a whole other set of pockets to reach into if your debt is not paid in accordance with the borrowing terms. Um, and you should proceed with caution if you're ever asked to co-sign. Our advice is usually it's, it's not a wise decision to make because if the other person defaults or doesn't make payments as agreed, you could be asked to pay the full balance immediately. It become due and payable, something that you had never contemplated. You thought you were just helping somebody out to get approved for some loan, and then suddenly all of that loan becomes due and payable yourself. So co-sign debt can be quite problematic. Uh, government debt. So government debt by default is an unsecured debt, but the government can shortcut a bunch of the things I mentioned just a minute ago where I said, you know, an unsecured creditor has to sue you, has to take you to court before they can have a whole lot of recourse against you. Uh, the government can access collection methods like a wage garnishment or freezing your bank accounts 
even placing a lien on your property. They can do all of that virtually overnight without suing you in court. Um, and you know, they're not going to do this without any notice to you, but it can happen relatively quickly. And it's also important to know there's no statute of limitations on government debt. So we've talked in previous segments about consumer debts. If a number of years go by, people lose the right to be able to sue you. Government debt never expires. There's no statute of limitations. So things like income tax debt, GST debt, um, any benefit overpayments for CERB or EI or CPP, uh, even federal and provincial student loans, these are debts that you have to face head on at some point. They just never go away on their own. Um, the final category of debt is secured debt. And this makes sense if unsecured debt is where you haven't pledged any assets. Secured debt means that you have pledged an asset or multiple assets as collateral to a lender. So that means if you don't pay the debt, the lender has the right to seize something from you. And it's written right in the documents when you take out that, that financing. So the most common examples are things like a mortgage or vehicle financing. And those debts are secured by a creditor holding a lien on your home or your vehicle until you've paid off the mortgage or the loan in full. So oftentimes banks might ask you to pledge an asset if you're looking for a consolidation loan. Um, you definitely want to be careful about that because you're basically giving them the right that if you don't pay on this loan, that asset can be seized from you. Um, and in some cases, a secured debt can be created after the fact. There are certain provisions for things like a mechanic or a builder's lien. If someone has done work for you and you haven't paid them, they can sometimes make a debt secured to your property. But the most common ones are a mortgage or a car loan. Um, those are your most common types of secured debt. Okay. So if you already know, if you're thinking, oh, okay, I, I need to take some action. If you know already that you want to sit down with somebody who's going to support you in making the best decision possible to deal with your debt situation with all the different options and all the different elements and all the different pieces that you get to sit down and talk to somebody who knows how to do this, give Sands and Associates a call and make that first appointment. It's 1-800-661-3030 or you can go to the website at sands-trustee.com. So um, we know that you, as a licensed insolvency trustee and licensed insolvency trustees across the country, have um, some good debt solutions that maybe people have heard about, maybe they haven't heard about. So can we spend a little bit, the last part of this segment, talking about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing I want people to know is when they say, okay, well, there's secured debt, there's unsecured, there's government debt. Well, what can a trustee actually help me with? The answer is all of it. A trustee mm -hmm. is the only professional that can help you with each category of those debts. So a consumer proposal is a great option that about 85% of clients that we deal with uh, choose to employ. And a consumer proposal allows you to legally consolidate all of your debt together. So all of your unsecured debts, um, put them into a single monthly payment, stop all of the interest and reduce it down to what you can afford. And to the extent that there are secured debts, a proposal gives you the option to say whether you want to continue with those debts or not. So a lot of the times the most common secured debt is a as a vehicle financing. So when we sit down with someone, we say, okay, you've got this car, whatever it is, it might be worth $20,000. You have a loan where you owe about $25,000 on it. Would you like to continue making those payments so that you'll own the car at the end? 
Or do you want to use the reset of a proposal to say, okay, we're going to return the car to the lender. We're going to deal with any of the aftermath as part of this whole proceeding and kind of move on from there. So it's not an automatic thing that if you file a proposal or even a personal bankruptcy, that you have to stop any of your secured creditor obligations. Again, if you wanted to keep paying on that car, for example, you'd be free to do so. And the same goes with a mortgage. So it's not an automatic thing that if you file a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, you have to stop paying on your mortgage and your house gets sold. Um, you have the option to continue if you want to keep that obligation or if you need to walk away from that because you owe way more than what the asset is worth, then either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy can help in those situations. So everything like an unsecured debt that we've listed out from credit cards, overdrafts, payday loans, lines of credit, personal debts, no debts owing to another person, all of that can be included and dealt with when dealing with the trustee. And what's even more powerful when a lot of people think is that nobody has the power to reduce government debt. Well, nobody except for licensed insolvency trustee. So either a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal can deal with all government debts like income tax, student loans, as long as you've been out of school for at least seven years, um, serve overpayments, essentially any amounts owing to government um, can be compromised, reduced and eliminated by working with a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. Did you want to say anything more than that? Because I know we've got two minutes left and there's a couple of other sort of if you want to keep the asset, if you don't want to keep the asset in both situations. You know, I think one thing that could be useful for people to know when we talk about vehicle financing is the province of BC is unique amongst other provinces in Canada that I'm aware of, in that if you have a vehicle that's financed and you default on the payments, you stop making the payments, in a lot of other provinces, if that car is worth 20000 and you owe 25000 if they get that car back from you and they sell it at auction for 20000 for example, they're handing you a bill for the balance of what's unpaid on the loan. And most people think that's how it works in BC, but it's it's not. BC has a provision called seize or sue. And what that means is if you stop paying on a vehicle loan, uh, the creditor has to decide if they take the vehicle back from you, no matter what that vehicle sells for at auction, maybe that $20,000 car only recovered $10,000 at auction and the loan is for $25,000, it's the end of the obligation to you when you've surrendered that vehicle. So once they've seized the vehicle from you, if there's any shortfall, you're not responsible to it. So I have calls from people sometimes who say, you know, I owe 25,000 on this car. I know I couldn't sell it for this amount. What should I do? The worst thing you could ever do is to sell the car yourself and pay back the debt partially because you're still going to owe the balance. The best thing is to actually default on that loan, let them come and get the car, and then that would extinguish the entire obligation. So all of these things a trustee will go through in great detail when you sit down and meet with us. But that's just one I wanted to highlight in our last minute here that seize or sue is something so important to know if you have a vehicle financing in BC that you think you might not want to continue with. And see, that's the advantage, folks, of talking to somebody who's a licensed insolvency trustee, because not everybody, one, may know that, two, know how to facilitate that. And a licensed insolvency trustee is the person, in this case, Blair, who he and Sands and Associates can facilitate that for you. And that's the beauty. That's the reason why uh, licensed insolvency trustees are the ones to see, because they have, there's just so much legal uh, power in the sense that they're, they're obliged to help you uh, take on on these challenges, these debt problems and challenges. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. 
So often in these segments in the show, Dollars and Cents, we talk about what you can do with debt, how to manage it, how to, how to, the steps that you need to take in order to deal with it. Well, this segment is all about what you shouldn't do. Uh, Blair is going to explain that consumers generally avoid uh, things when it comes to dealing with their personal debt, like it's too hard, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but this is where you can get uh, help solving problem debt for good. So let's talk about that, Blair. Um, the warning signs that your debt may be a cause for concern, and what are some of the actions that people might take that make things worse? Well, for no no two people have the exact same situation, so the warning signs might seem a little bit different to each, but there are definitely some consistent hallmarks over time that we've said, you know, people have relayed to us. This is when I knew my debts were becoming a problem. You know, the most simple one is just that feeling, that feeling of anxiety, of hopelessness, that if you're feeling just so worried about your debts all the time, uh, you know, that's a big warning sign that perhaps you do need to get some debt help because it shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't have constant anxiety about your finances every minute of every day. Um, some of the more traditional warning signs, things like you've been considering or you've been turned down for a bank funded consolidation loan. So oftentimes one of the first things people do when they know they've got too much debt is they try to consolidate. So seeking that out and then eventually being rejected, as a lot of people find out, unfortunately, um, that's a significant warning sign. Um, just not having a plan. So being in a situation where you know there's no way in the next five years doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be able to get out of debt. Um, I'm just going to keep you know my head down, make the minimum payments and just continue to do that, um, that's a warning sign that you're probably going to be paying a ton of interest. You're probably going to make the banks, you know, quite a bit of profits on you and your credit rating might look fine, but you're not going to move forward financially, be able to build a net worth and save money uh, if you're going to be paying off your standard debts for more than five years at pretty extravagant interest. Uh, one warning sign too, that's a bit counterintuitive, is don't assume that just because you have great credit that you don't need debt help because the vast majority of people that file a bankruptcy or a proposal actually have pretty good credit. They're not out there missing payments or being sued. They've just come to the pretty stark realization that you know what they're doing right now is just not moving them forward. They're just treading water at best. So what should you not do if you find yourself in this situation where you think you got a debt problem? What are the things to avoid? Well, the number one thing to avoid is do not ignore the debt. It's one of the worst things you can do. Uh, you can't just wait it out for most debt that are out there. Um, you know, there's not a statute of limitation, anything to do with the government debt. And even for standard debts where there might be some period of time when the debt expires, you know, that can be years into the future. That could be a whole lot, um, you know, of, of, of um, anxiety, of heartache, uh, of threats, of collection calls. And sometimes the problem is just continually getting worse because there's more interest, more penalties are being added against your debt and things just continue to escalate. So one of the worst things you can do is just avoid the problem altogether and not deal with it. We definitely recommend that you face things head on. And if you continue to listen and definitely to other segments, you'll find there's a lot of things an individual can do if they find themselves in debt. So if you feel helpless, know that you're not helpless. There's a lot that you can do. Uh, one of the other big things that you want to avoid doing is taking on more debt. Um, you know, sometimes people figure, I guess, you know, I borrowed to get myself into this situation. I'm going to borrow to get out of it. So whether it's looking at a consolidation loan um, or a payday loan or some really high interest type of financing, oftentimes someone gets turned down for a bank funded consolidation loan where the interest rate might be 10 or 12% or so. And the only people that will approve them is a high interest installment or payday loan lender where the interest is 40 or 50%. The person has not improved their situation by turning their debt into more expensive high interest debt. 
Uh, and one of the last things to avoid is to count on unrealistic results. So you really have to have, you know, a very unemotional view of what am I paying on these debts per month? What's the interest charge? How much am I actually paying the debts down with the minimum payments that I'm making? And you've got to be realistic about your budget. If you think you're going to be able to spend a huge amount of your budget on your debt repayments, you might be able to do that for a month or two, but I guarantee you life is going to intervene at some point. And even if you have a budget that balances, but it's tons of money going to debt payment and you've got no ability to save money, what that means is when inevitably there's some external shock and you need an emergency fund to draw on, if you haven't been able to save any money, you'll be in a pretty precarious situation and maybe have to rely on credit again. So there are definitely a bunch of things to, to avoid. Quite. So before we talk about the some more mistakes that people sometimes make, and you know you already want to take some action to deal with your debt situation, this is the phone number. They've got 25 offices throughout the province in British Columbia. 1-800-661-3030. And it's just even just to sit down and talk with somebody about your situation and see if what the next step might be. And the website, which is just terrific, sans-trustee.com. It's just filled with pages of great questions and great answers. Easy to understand in both cases so that if you just need a bit more information before making that next step, Fair enough. Check out the website, sans-trustee.com. So Blair, let's talk about the common mistakes that people do make trying to deal with their debt that you really want to caution them against taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two really big ones to go into detail here. The number one here, and I've been crusading about this since about 2009 when the law changed, but still I see it every once in a while, is the idea of cashing in RRSPs to pay debt. That is one of the worst things you can ever do to pay your debts down, and it's something that's not required. Uh, previous to 2009, you might have lost RRSPs if you had to file a bankruptcy, so people said, I'm going to lose them regardless, let me just cash them in now and try to avoid having to, to file a bankruptcy. But since 2009, RRSPs have been fully protected. So you do not need to compromise your retirement savings. No matter how dire your debt situation is, that money is free and clear and protected. The issues when you cash in RRSPs is first off, you're compromising your future well-being. You're taking money that you know you'll need in the future when you're retired and you're spending it now and usually for past consumption. So you've really taken something away from your future self uh, to deal with a current issue that arose from, from past behavior. Um, the second thing is that RSP withdrawals are fully taxable. And usually when you draw that money out from the bank, they withhold a certain proportion of it, but it might be far less than what the actual tax obligation is. So I've had a number of people over the years who've said, yeah, I cashed in the RSPs. I just assumed the bank held back enough tax. You know, I paid off my debts pretty significantly, but then it was like, you know, a sack of bricks when suddenly I got my tax return next year and saw that I owed them thousands of dollars because the bank didn't hold back enough tax withdrawals on the RRSPs. So my advice would be to treat an RRSP like a company pension plan. You would never try to cash in your company pension plan to pay your personal debts and you wouldn't be allowed to anyway. Um, the government has protected RRSPs, but the individual still has the option. So you want to make sure you're not even considering that option. Do not cash in RRSPs to pay debts. One of the most important things I hope someone would take away from this segment. Um, the second big piece of advice for people um, is to really be careful who you take advice from. So what 
Often it's a well-intended friend or family member, but there's so many things that are out there in terms of different precedents, legislation, um, different sets of rules, and it can be really difficult to see how all of it fits together. And there's only a single professional whose job it is to put it all together for you and help you understand what's in your best interest. And that's a licensed insolvency trustee. So even someone like a debt consultant or a credit counselor, whether a prof for profit or not for profit, they don't have the qualifications, the scope of knowledge, the authority and the legal powers of a licensed insolvency trustee. And I spend a lot of time talking with accountants, lawyers, and financial planners. Um, they'll send clients over, you know, quite often to us because they know this is not their area of expertise. But every once in a while, I'll have a call from someone who said, oh yeah, my financial advisor told me, you know, consumer proposal won't work for me. I need to go into bankruptcy. And in the space of a few minutes, I can say, well, I can see why they might have thought that. But no, you have definitely other options to consider. So you want to make sure you're getting the right advice from the right source. You know, even family family or friends who want the best for you, they just might not have all of the information. So reaching out to a trustee is the best thing you can do to make sure you're, you're taking the right steps. And I have a feeling too, you know, just sitting down with somebody from Sands and Associates for just a few minutes, let alone a, a real good appointment, you'd figure that out pretty quickly. Oh, oh, you actually do know what you're talking about and that person didn't. Or, oh, I was thinking about doing this, but now that sounds like a really bad idea. Let's talk more about what you think I should do. And that's the kind of thing that I feel uh, just meeting the various uh, people over the years that work at Sands and Associates. It's just really thoughtful, articulate, smart people people who are going to get you on that right path. So if you want to get that uh, that free confidential debt advice to work with somebody, a qualified professional on your personal debt-free plan, give Sands & Associates a call. 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com today. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So yes, it is it, it's tax return time, or at least time that you start thinking about doing your tax return. It's coming close. The deadlines we're we've even we're going to tell you about the deadlines too uh, for this year in this segment. But we're going to get the facts about tax debt first and what you should and shouldn't do if you've already got an outstanding balance with CRA. Uh, Blair is going to share some key facts that British Columbians should know about dealing with tax debt, as well as some tips on what to do and what to avoid if you find yourself with an unmanageable balance owing. So what are some of the key things that we should know about if we've got a balance already uh, due to CRA for taxes, Blair? Well, any time that you're dealing with debt that you didn't expect, um, it just adds another layer of stress. So in, in some cases, it's surprising, you know, you owe money on your taxes, you didn't expect it. Sometimes it's even more stressful. It's been years, you know, you owe money to the government, you're just not sure when they're going to take some action against you. And we're going to talk a little bit today that owing the government money, um, they've got more power than any other creditor and the ability to access that power um, is really shortcutted compared to somebody else that has to take you to court and get a court order and things. The government can do a lot to take action against you if you have a tax debt and you don't deal with it. But here's a few of the things that you should know if you think you're going to have a tax debt or currently have one, is that the not paying taxes on time costs you and it costs you daily. So if you're not among the people who are able to pay their balance in full by April 30th of this year, uh, your balance is going to get bigger. 
Um, so CRAs add-ons can make a balance grow and it can get pretty significant over time. You know, I've seen people with unpaid tax debt that goes on for a decade or more where what they originally owed might be as little as a third of what they actually owe now. The debt can just continue to escalate with interest charges. So CRAs interest charges are compounded daily. Um, as of now, that rate of interest is 5%, but we can bet that's going to continue to go up as interest rates escalate as well. And interest is applied to amounts owing for personal taxes, for installment requirements, for GST remittances, pretty well anything you owe to CRA that hasn't been paid. And what's even more significant in some cases is a late filing penalty. So if your return is not filed on time and you have a balance owing, there's a late filing penalty that's often twice the amount of the interest charge. So usually it's a 10% flat cost just as for filing late. And if you've been in a habitually late filer, meaning that CRA has not gotten your return uh, on time every year for the last few years, they can even double that penalty. So it's quite important that you get the return in on time and you do your best to pay it. And even if you know you're not going to be able to pay that debt, you need to avoid that late filing penalty, which will happen if your debt, if your taxes get submitted after April 30th. Uh, one other thing to know about tax debt, as I mentioned, there's more recourse and the tax debt's a little bit different than other debts, is tax debt does not expire. So it's definitely the case of not all debts are created equal. In some cases, if it's a small credit card bill or a cell phone bill or things like that, there is a statute of limitation in the province of BC after a period of about two years. If someone doesn't sue you on their debt, um, they lose the ability to ever sue you. Uh, the government has no limitation period. So it does doesn't matter if it's been 20 years that you've owed this tax debt. There's no limitations act or anything that kicks in that says that you don't have to pay this debt because it's just been so long. So tax debt does not expire at all. Um, and what's important with CRA is that their collection methods uh, are more extreme and more quickly to access than anybody else. So employment income can be at risk if you have an unpaid balance to CRA and they're never going to start with, you know, you file your taxes yesterday and today we're taking your wages. No, they generally wait about 90 days after after mailing your notice of assessment or reassessment and their action or their warning about actions being taken against you consists of three attempts for a verbal legal warning by telephone. So they will try to reach you. And if you just ignore the calls, they'll try three times and they'll give up. And then one written legal warning being sent. So they don't confirm that you've received it. It's not sent by courier. It's just a standard mail that's sent to you. But whether you've received those notices or not, if CRA decides that they want to collect from you, um, they're able to access up to 100% of income from just about any source. So they could go to your wages and attach up to 100%, which usually they'll be more reasonable than that, but it's possible. I have seen them secure 100% of even pension benefits, EI benefits. These are things that no court would ever allow you to be sued on. They'd say, you need this money to live, but because it's the government, CRA is able to seize pension benefits and even EI benefits. Um, they could go direct to your clients if you're a self-employed individual and give them what's called a requirement to pay, which means instead of paying you for the work that you've done, they have to pay direct to the government, which will get applied to your tax debt. Uh, and then finally, CRA can take action to put charges on your real estate, your vehicle, um, any assets that you have. CRA has the right to try to seize them if you have an unpaid tax debt. So these are all last resort things that CRA will only do if nothing else works, but it's helpful for people to know exactly what is out there, what CRA can potentially do. And I just want to, you know, clarify, because I was thinking, oh, well, does that mean a lien? Can CRA put a lien on my house? And the answer is... 
Yes, that's exactly what it means. That's and, what you know, it could look like, right? Yeah, and CRA putting a lien on your house doesn't mean they're going to try to force you into foreclosure. It just means they're going to sit there and wait. And in Canada, most mortgages are renegotiated every five years. And when you try to renegotiate your mortgage, your lender is going to require that CRA lien gets paid out, which might mean you have to sell the property at that point. Or if you decide to sell the property yourself before you see a dollar, that CRA lien gets paid out as if it was another mortgage on title. Okay, so if you know you're in this situation or you want to avoid this kind of situation and all the situations that Blair's talked about so far, give Sands and Associates a call and set up that appointment. It's 1-800-661-3030. And they have 25 offices around the province, so there really is no good excuse. You can get in to see somebody. Uh, now, you mentioned that there's solutions to address unmanageable tax debt. Can we talk more about those in the last, oh, about three minutes or so? Yeah, for sure. So I think one thing for people to know is that it is possible to get tax debt forgiveness. So a lot of people think and, you know, they self-diagnose and think there's just no option to deal with government debt. But absolutely, there are options to a licensed insolvency trustee. Government debt is just the same as every other debt. So if someone comes in with credit cards, student loans, lines of credit, tax debt, we look at it all holistically and remedies like a consumer proposal where we consolidate all the debt together, bring the interest down to zero and and reduce the debt down to what you can afford. That applies to government debt the same way it does to every other debt that you have. Um, if the situation is so significant, I've had people sometimes they owe hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and offering a proposal back just won't be possible given their income and you know paying back 20% of 400,000 is a lot of money. Um, but personal bankruptcy will operate to discharge government debt as well. So whether it's a proposal or a personal bankruptcy, when you get a licensed insolvency trustee involved, you get protection from CRA. So all of those things I mentioned about your wages being seized, assets being taken, all of that comes to a grinding halt if you've taken a formal step to restructure debts with a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. And we've got about a minute and a half or so left. So um, with anyone with outstanding tax or CRA debt, what are your sort of top tips to do or don't for folks? You know, I think the biggest thing is to make sure you file your returns every year. So in some ways, CRA looks at it worse if you're someone that doesn't file their returns at all, rather than you're somebody that files the returns, knows they owe money and just does their best but can't pay. So if you have unfiled tax returns, CRA can resort to some pretty drastic actions like placing a hold on your bank account that's sometimes called freezing your bank account so that you can't touch it at all until you basically called CRA and give them a commitment that you're going to file your returns. Or sometimes they can do what's called an arbitrary assessment where they say, okay, based on the banking records they have access to, which is basically everything, um, they will file your taxes for you and generally allow you no expenses as deductions. And then you have the arduous task of disproving this tax return that they've done. And their response will be, well, you should have filed the tax return the first time around. So you want to avoid getting an arbitrary assessment, um, but you definitely do want to file the tax returns when they're due, even if the balance is owing. Okay. And I want to throw in as we close out this segment, uh, the absolute best advice you can take is to get a hold of Sands and Associates, licensed insolvency trustees, sit down and say, this is my situation. This is my predicament. What what is the best advice going forward from this moment on? And that's where you're going to get the help. I mean, licensed insolvency trustees are 
they're the only ones that can help you uh, deal with government debt on any level. So it really does make the best the best sense possible. I want to remind you, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. Don't forget their website, sands-trustee.com. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.